0: The, the views and opinions, opinions expressed on this show are that of the host and do not, not represent the views of Cryo records, records and its parent company and felony in progress. This show features strong language. Listener discretion is advised. What fucking planet is this? How the hell did I even get here? You will all be turned into Food.
1: I was the third brother of a doing whatever I had to do to survive. I'm not saying what I did was all right, trying to break
2: out of the ghetto was a day-to-day fight. Being down so long, getting up to the cross for mine, but I knew there was a better way of life and I was just trying to find.
3: You don't know what you do until you put on a
0: pressure. Across Hello kiddies, and welcome back to Open Air Sonar. I know we missed a week, folks, but you know, we had some technical difficulties, you know, was, we had some bad chords, truthfully, and had to toss them out, but We are all fixed now, and I trust everyone had a good couple of weeks, and if not, I really don't give a fuck. Um, So, yeah, there you have it. But hey, at least I'm back with you, right? So, uh, let's go ahead and read an email from Constance in Boise, Idaho. Constance goes on to write, I like your show and your taste in music and was wondering where you stand on hip-hop and if you have any plans for a future show. Thank you for your time, Constance. Um all right, Constance, where do I begin here? Um, you know, I, I I like hip hop, at least I used to like hip hop before, you know, it all became about hoes and money and cars and flash, you know, I, I like the real stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, days of grandmaster flash and the furious five, you know, the sugar hill gang, uh, you know, I mean, just raw talent there. Um, You know, even the NWA, ATL, Too Short, you know, I mean, it was great stuff. But I think somewhere along the lines, uh, you know, things got blurred, and I think it kind of lost its flavor with me. you know, it's just really not my thing anymore, but I do listen to, uh, you know, some bands that are hip-hop, like, I listen to, uh, you know, Del Tran 3000, I, uh, I really like this other thing called Gasoline out of Europe that is really, really good, it's called Abstract Hip-Hop, but it's tasteful, and it's, you know, it's got, you know, soul, but, uh, But who knows, you know, uh, we don't have any future plans for a hip-hop show, but maybe our producers can put something together and we can do something. So, anyway, kiddies, let's buckle up and we're going to go. I'm going to take you guys on like an amazing journey here. We're going to go from Georgia to Motor City to Philadelphia, and we are going to lay down soul. So, when I was young... Oh, excuse me, I lived in a really small town and my father was an avid record collector and, which is where I'm sure I got the itch myself but he had this big ass Kenwood stereo man and he would take the, the giant speakers and he'd put them out on the front porch man and he'd throw on like, you know, really good soul music and people from all the neighborhood would come by and, and just have a really good time and I think there, that is what really turned me on to soul And, uh, you know, it, it was a mix between blues and gospel. And when the two came together, the product was magical. And so, without further ado, let's go ahead and lay down our first pick. So, this is the father of soul, Ray Charles, with I Got a Woman from his 1957 release, Hallelujah, I Love Her So." Stick around, people, and we'll pick this thing apart. And see where this journey takes us. You're listening to Open Air Sonar. Well
3: I got a woman way over town for me oh yeah she says loving early in the morning just for me oh yeah she says loving just for me Ah, oh, she loves me so tenderly i got a one-
0: All right. I'm sorry, that was my mistake. Uh, it's the 1955 release of I Got a Woman uh, from Ray Charles. Um, you know, the song builds on It Must Be Jesus by the Southern Tones, which Ray Charles was listening to on the radio while on the road with his band in the summer of '54. Um, you know, he had a member of his band, you know, trumpeter uh, Reinold Richard penned a long, penned a song that was, uh, built along a gospel, f- you know, frenetic pace with secular lyrics and a jazz inspired theme and rhythm and blues. Um, and the song would be one of the prototypes for what would later become, you know, termed as soul music after Charles released what I'd say nearly five years later. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a great song all the way around, um, you know. Not, not to mention, you know, all the super talented people that uh, you know Ray always surrounded himself with. Um, you know, he always cited Nat King Cole as a primary influence, um, but his music was also influenced by you know Louis Jordan and Charles Brown. He had a lifelong friendship, tri- friendship, and occasional partnership with Quincy Jones. And, you know, Frank Sinatra even called Ray Charles the only true genius in show business. Um, And always, you know, Charles always downplayed this notion. But uh, Billy Joel once said, this may sound like sacrilege, but I think Ray Charles was more important than Elvis Presley. Well, he left us in uh, 2004 from liver failure. And um, wherever you are now, buddy, hopefully you're playing something cool. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next song. Um this is going to take us all the way to the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan, people. Um we're hitting Motown. So this is one of my favorites from the trio The Supremes, you know, with Diana Ross on the, you know, on the lead, but uh I I absolutely love this song. So Stick around, listen to the song, and uh, we'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to Open Air Sonar. Here is The Supremes with Come See About Me. So that was The Supremes with Come See About Me from 1967. Um, you know, founded as the Primettes in Detroit uh, in 1959, The Supremes were the most commercially successful of Motown's acts and are to date uh, America's most successful vocal group. Um, you know, They had 12 number one singles on the Billboard Top 100, and you know, most of these hits were written and produced by Motown's you know, main songwriter and production team, Holland, Dozier, and Holland. Um, And at their peak in the mid-60s, the Supremes rivaled the Beatles in worldwide popularity, man. I mean, they were great. And it is said that their breakthrough made it possible for future African-American R&B and soul musicians to find mainstream success. And, you know, everything that they've ever done has just been wonderful. And, you know, even Diana Ross, you know, when she went into the 70s and, you know, went out on her own, she, you know, still blew audiences away by herself with... Not only her acting, but her musical skills. You know, she first started out as a receptionist at Motown and was asked to come in and sing a hook for a tune, and they just went nuts over her. And uh, it's also said that uh, when she was younger and she worked at Holland Department store in Michigan, she uh, was the first female of color to be let out and work on the floor. But, uh, you know, times have changed. At least I try to believe they are. Um, I don't know, but... It's one of my favorites, and you know I'm sure that you like it as well. So we're gonna go ahead and move on to our next song here. This is um, this is the guy who just personifies everything that is soul, man. I mean, this is the madman from Macon, ladies and gentlemen. I give you Otis Redding live at the Whiskey A Go Go with just one more day. Stick around, and uh, we'll talk about Otis. This is opener I so now. We're gonna
1: sing a song. Ladies and gentlemen. Everybody that is unhappy. And this song this is something that everybody needs and everybody wants it. And I've been trying to get it. <laughs> it goes something like this I've been missing you for so many days. keep wanting you darling in so many ways I can't get you off of my mind cause true love is so hard to find and I want me another day I want me just one more day darling darling You can let me have another day. And I can do anything that you want me to do. The sweet things you used to do to me now. But kind, kind of of don't say it. I can't forget. surprise the prize! Me just one more day, darling. Darling, you can let me have another day, and I can be everything that you want me to be. Oh, oh. I've got to get me one more. One more day now. I want this day and the day after and the day after and I want all the days and I want all I want you here by my side and I don't want you to leave my darling. I'm gonna love you for the rest of my life. day and the day after and the day after and I want all the days and I want all of them now I want you here by my side and I don't want you to leave and my darling I want to love you for the rest of my life but I'm trying to get me just one more day just one more day honey and you can let me have that one more day now. I want this day and the day after and the day after. And I want all today and I want all of them now. I want you here by my side and I don't want and that you can let.
0: That was Otis Redding with his 1966 release, "Just One More Day." So that song was originally released on the uh, the album Otis Sings Soul. You know, it's a great song. I mean, whenever he sang it, it always just seems like he had he was filled with so much passion and I mean just rigor, man. And uh, he's probably one of my all-time favorite singers of all time. Um, you know, he's one of the greatest singers in the history of American popular music, man. And, you know, a seminal artist in soul music and rhythm and blues, you know, Redding's style of singing gained inspiration from the gospel music that, you know, preceded the genre. You know, his singing style influenced many other soul artists of the 60s. And, you know, it's, God, he's just, you know, he was born in, uh, in Dawson, Georgia, and then at two, the family moved to Macon, Georgia. And then uh, Redding quit school at the age of 15 to support his family, working with Little Richard's backup band, the Upsetters. And, you know, I think from there, the ball, you know, pretty rolled. And I always wondered what, like, if he would have lived, you know, if, if he, I, could you imagine the records he could have put out? I mean, it was just amazing, amazing, amazing. So, and, you know, unfortunately... Uh, Excuse me. Um, in 1967, you know, the band was traveling to uh, performance in Redding's Beechcraft, you know, 818 Airplane. And on December 9th, they appeared on the upbeat television show produced in Cleveland. You know, they played three concerts in two nights at a club called Leo's Casino. And after a phone call with his wife and children, Redding's next stop was Madison, Wisconsin. The next day, Sunday, December 10th, they were to play the factory nightclub near the University of Wisconsin. And, you know, the weather was poor with, you know, heavy rain and fog. And despite warnings, the plane took off anyway. And unfortunately, we lost a great, great, great talented artist. You know, I've always heard that, you know, Otis was like one of the nicest guys in the world. You know, he was six foot one. And I mean, he was just a great guy all the way around. So anyway, thank you, Otis, for the great song. So we um, I've got one more song for you before the break. And uh, I'm going to give it to you. It's kind of a short one, but it it's one of my favorites and when we come back, we'll talk about it a little more. So this is the late great Etta James singing "I'd rather go blind." This is open air sonar <laughs> Jamesetta Hawkins was Etta James's, you know, real name, her birth name. Uh, she was born January twenty fifth, nineteen thirty eight. Um, you know, and she performed in various genres, including blues, R and B, soul, rock and roll, and jazz and gospel. You know, and she was just an all around talented lady. Um, although, you know, she did face, you know, numerous personal problems, including, you know, a serious heroin addiction. Uh, you know, severe physical abuse and incarceration. She even went to jail, man. And, yeah, um, she was just, dude, I mean, that deep, earthy voice, you know, bridged the gap between rhythm and blues and rock and roll. You know, she won a total of six Grammys, you know, and 17 blues music awards and was r- inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1993. Um, and Rolling Stone magazine even ranked her... Uh, number 22 on its list of 100 greatest singers of all time you know but again she she really had a lot of problems from you know drug addiction to i mean just losing it man she was on heroin for a long time but i will tell you if you get the chance uh watch her live set from the uh montreal jazz festival from 1975 where she carries this song for about eight minutes and it's It's fucking amazing. The only thing is, is you can tell that she's really, really super high. But, um, and unfortunately, you know, she was diagnosed with leukemia in early 2011. Um, and her son Danto even revealed that, uh, she received a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease in 2008, and, um, she died on January 20th, 2012, um, you know. Five days before her 74th birthday at Riverside Community Hospital in Riverside, California. And it came three days after the death of Johnny Otis, the man who had discovered her in, in the 1950s. Um, 36 days after her death, she, you know, her side man Red Holloway, also passed away. So this is a woman who <sighs> really seen the shit, man. And, uh, you know, her, her funeral was presided over by, you know, the Reverend Al Sharpton and uh you know all these other you know people came out for her her funeral we had stevie wonder beyonce christina aguilera and they each gave a musical tribute so anyway thank you etta for the good times and wherever you are i hope you're happy but anyway kids we are gonna go ahead and take a break now and uh when we come back i got a really funny ass email to read you guys and I don't know, you'll think it's funny, I think this guy's a fucking moron, truthfully, but we'll read it when we come back, and then we'll dig into some more songs, alrighty? Uh, and by, th- yeah, if you do want to send me an email, by all means, c-r-y-o-v-a-t-o at gmail.com, a reply is guaranteed. So, on that note, enjoy the break, and uh, we'll see you in a few.
4: classic in the soul cinema genre, Coffee stars Pam Greer as a nurse out to exact vengeance on the drug dealers who hooked her little sister. What
1: would you do, kill
3: all of them? Well, why not? Nothing else seems to do any good.
4: Posing as a junkie and a prostitute, she takes the law into her own hands.
3: This is the end of your rotten life, you mother.
4: Released in 1973, Coffee was ahead of its time, pushing boundaries with its use of a strong female lead. Writer-director Jack Hill specifically wrote the part for Pam Greer, thus launching her career as a cult movie star.
5: I like that.
4: Quentin Tarantino was so inspired by the film that many years later, he relaunched Greer's career by writing the part of Jackie Brown for her. You
0: know just the words that turn me on. And I know what you want, too, and you're gonna get it.
4: Coffee.
2: Brighter. Oh, child, things are gonna get easier. Oh, child, things will get brighter.
0: Okay, boys and girls, we are back. I hope you enjoyed the break. And uh, we are halfway through our voyage through some of my favorite soul albums of all, you know, songs of all time. Um, and before actually we get into that, I wanted to um, read you an email that I received from a minister in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, now, I'm not going to use his name, you know, I'm, I'm just not a dick like that, so, you know, whatever, but... Uh, and, you know, I'm just not that guy. So anyway, he goes on to say that he caught his 16-year-old son listening to my show and how, dis- how he disapproves of the context of my show. Apparently the cussing is a little too much for him, but would be willing to let his young ones listen to my show if I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and focus on gospel and hymns. Thank you for your time. Okay, let's dissect this for a second. Um, one, dude, I, d- I didn't tell you to, you know, go buy your kids all the, you know, phones and computers and all that nonsense. And at least I'm not the one that didn't put a parental lock on your damn computer. Uh, right? in the it says there's graphic language in this show. And, you know... If you don't want your kids listening to this, then quit spoiling them, man, and quit buying them all this shit that they can, or at least monitor what they're doing. It's not my job to police your kids. I'm exercising my First Amendment right, and if you don't like it, you can eat shit, okay? And as far as being religious, I'm just, I'm just not religious anymore, and that's fine. You know, I figure if I'm a good person, nothing bad's going to happen to me, right? But, um... Anyway, uh, let's get rolling here with the next pick that I have for you. So, oh, and yeah, again, if you want to send me an email and you want me to read it on air, I will. Please, uh, C-R-Y-O-V-A-T-O at gmail.com. A reply is guaranteed. So, let's get into our next pick here. So, this is the 1973 release from Oakland bass band Tower of Power with one of their major hits, So Very Hard to Go. Stick around. You're listening to Open Air Sonar.
2: Ain't nothing I can say. Nothing I can do. I feel so bad. Yeah. I feel so blue. Mm. I got to make it right. Everyone can say, Even if it's me, if it means it's me, what's getting bad? Cause I could never. Time would come I'd have to pay for my mistake I can't blame you For what you're doing to me, girl Even though my heart aches, Your dreams have all come true Just the way you planned So I'll just step aside helping hand me Cause I could never
0: So that was Tower of Power was So Very Hard to Go. So that was their number one, their biggest hit that they ever did in the 70s. And, man, I mean, the song speaks for itself. You know, I mean, super talented guys. Um, you know, at first, when they first came out, they were called the Motowns. But, uh, you know, they realized that they couldn't, you know, get into the playing the Fillmore with a name like the Motowns. So they changed their name and... Um, You know, Tower of Power stuck, man, and, you know, all their albums have just been great. I mean, from East Bay, Greece, you know, Bump City, and, you know, the Tower of Power eponymous EP that's So Very Hard to Go was released on in 1973, and, uh, you know, Urban Renewal, you know, We Came to Play. These are all great, great albums, and, uh, you know, once they got into the 80s and the 90s, I kind of lost track of them. I guess their music changed, and I didn't change with it. So be it, so be it, so be it. Anyway, all right, kitties. let's get down to our next tune here. So what I pulled out for you, so I, I just wanted to tell you guys that I am pulling probably 95% of the music that you're hearing today out of my personal record collection here today. So you guys are getting the real deal. I put new cartridges on my on my turntable, and I hope it's sounding okay for you. So anyway... We are going to move on here. Here is Gladys Knight and the Pimps with Neither One of Us. This is Open Air Sonar. So that was the 1972 release of Neither One of Us Wants to Say It's the First Time to Say Goodbye. But uh, the song was actually recorded by Gladys Knight and the Pips, you know, uh, on Motown's Soul Records, and it became one of their biggest hit singles and was also the last single the group released prior to them leaving Motown for Buddha Records in February of 73. Um, the song is actually noted for the last line when Gladys Knight sings the song's title without saying the word goodbye right before the end of the song. And, you know, I mean, it's just a great song. And, you know, you could tell that she actually sings from the gut, you know, and, and brings it out. And, you know, the Pips, they were all cousins and, you know, I just kind of fell together, you know. And, you know, following the completion of the recording, Motown issued it for a promotional use in December of '72. And, you know, not too long afterwards, and after negotiations with Motown broke down, uh, the group was allowed to leave the label in 73, and shortly thereafter, the group signed a contract with, of course, Buddha Records, and, you know. And by that time, the, you know, the song was already climbing the charts on both the pop and R&B charts, and, you know, it was a way to give the group their biggest hit, since, you know, I heard it through the grapevine, you know, six years before. But, uh, you know, it was a great song, and... On March seventeenth, 1973, the song reached number one on the Hot Soul single. And, you know, a lot of people think that it, you know, created a bridge between pop and R&B and soul. And uh, it was one of my favorites. I actually took this copy from the 1974 edition of Soul Train with Don Cornelius. So it was a live set. Well, I guess as live can Soul Train can be, I guess. But... Anyway, I'm having a really good time with this one. I'm getting to pull a lot of great records So I'm gonna give you one of my favorite 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 songs and from one of my favorite groups really Um, So this is the staple singers with their 1973 release if you're ready come go with me and And you know from the album, you know be what you are was just phenomenal. So stick around man and see what we got to say about this number okay uh this is open air sonar i am tony and this is the staple singers with if you're ready come go with me That was, If You're Ready, Come Go With Me from the Staple Singers 1973 release, Be What You Are. You know, that band, I mean, just is all around great, man. I mean, they're perfect on their harmonies and everything, you know, with, um, you know, Roebuck Pop Staple being the matriarch of the family, you know, and his three young daughters. And they're also son, Pervious, who was there for a little while. Um... They just clicked, man. You know, fi- signing their first, you know, record deal. I think it was 1955, and then just going from there, man. And I mean, going all out. And if you ever get the chance, by all means, uh, they appeared in the movie, the 1976 do- uh, documentary, uh, "The Last Waltz," about the band's final show at the Fillmore's. But uh, they're joined by the Staple Singers, and they do a. a version of the weight that is just unbelievable, and I mean, there isn't a flaw in the entire song, and from beginning to end, it's just absolutely perfect, so if you get the chance, by all means, check that out, go out, please buy Staple Singers Records, because they're fucking great, alright, anyway, we are going to move on, we got two songs left, Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give you guys one of my favorites, uh, the 1971 release from Marvin Gaye, What's going on? I don't know. You tell me. Anyway, stick around and we will find out what is going on. All right. This is Open Air Sonar.
2: some loving here today, yeah, father, father, we don't need to escalate, you see, war is not the answer. can Some am my here today. Oh, oh, oh. Pick it flat and pick it sound. Brother. Don't punish me. Love brutality. Brother. Come on, talk Brother. to me. Brother. So you can not see what's going on.
4: So that was the 1971
0: edition of... <coughs> oh my God, excuse me. Um, ...of What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Um, also known as the Prince of Soul or the Prince of Motown, but, you know, God, he was great, you know, and, I mean, his producers uh, really didn't want him to come out with this record uh, because they thought that maybe, you know, because the album itself was considered a concept album, uh, you know, with most of its songs, you know, sighing into the next and has been categorized as a song cycle, you know, the album ends with a reprise of the album's opening theme, and they were afraid that these... Protest songs might tarnish his image as a sex symbol, and um, but you know the narrative you know established by the song is told from the point of view of a Vietnam veteran returning to his home country to witness hatred and suffering and injustice and Gay's you know introspective lyrics explore themes of drug abuse, poverty, and the Vietnam War. He also has been credited with promoting awareness of ecological issues, uh, you know, before the public outcry over them had you know, become prominent and I think his producers were afraid that they would tarnish his sex symbol status. But um anyway, uh, poor Marvin was killed April first, nineteen eighty four, uh, the day before his forty fifth birthday by his father, Marvin gay Senior, who was a pastor and didn't like him singing about the things that he did. So that's just one of those things that's hard to swallow, you know? I mean, how can a child, you know, a parent kill their own child? It just boggles the mind. Anyway, guys, um, a little thought out there that I'm going to put out there before I cut out now. Be good to each other. I mean, I know I might seem like a dick sometimes, but, you know, sometimes people like me, you feel like the unappreciated scholar of what you do, so you shit on people that know less than you, and... (laughs) At least that's what my wife says. Anyway, be good to each other out there. And, you know, if this music teaches us anything, it teaches us to love one another, all right? So thank you for joining me this wonderful, wonderful day. And hopefully we'll see you all again next week. So I'm going to leave now with the Queen of Soul, Miss Aretha Franklin herself, who I dedicate this show to, who died unexpectedly on August 16th, 2018. Um, there's really not a whole lot I can say about this song is that, you know, it generally speaks for itself, because um, she, the way she belted these tunes out was just remarkable. So this is the 67 release of I Never Loved a Man the Way That I Love You from the very own Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Take care of each other, everyone, and we'll see you next week on Open Air Sonar. And please don't be shy. Send me an email. Tell me what you think. Tell me you fucking hate me. Tell me whatever you want. I don't care. Just tell me, all right? Thank you for listening to Open Air Sonar, and we will see you all again real soon. Take care.